Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM. Now, as we hang up uh, from uh, Jim Wells of uh, the DUP, let's go to the Sinn Féin President, Mary Lou MacDonald. And uh, a very good morning to you, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us, as always. A number of uh, domestic issues to talk about, quite obviously, under the current uh, emergency. But perhaps uh, we can begin with your Sunday independent interview yesterday. Jim Wells telling us he, he read what you had to say, uh, and he thought it was appalling that somebody like you with uh, the benefit of hindsight would support what he called naked sectarianism, blatant sectarian murders, uh, the imitation of uh, Protestant uh, people uh, and businesses and he wondered how atrocities such as uh, that at uh, the Darkly Mission Hall, Kings Mill or the Irish Collie Club could be justified by somebody who was 12 years of age at the time of uh, the hunger strikes in the comfort of uh, Dublin suburbia, enjoyed a private education and had a privileged upbringing. Well, good morning, Michael. Uh, it's nice as ever to talk to you. I suppose the Sindo interview yesterday was a bit of a milestone. I mean, your listeners will be well aware that the editorial position of that paper has been extremely hostile to Sinn Féin, to Republicans, to nationalism uh, generally for as long as time. So uh, it was a very conscious decision on my part to take up the invitation to speak with them. And predictably enough, uh, they wanted to talk about the past, which is legitimate. But it, it needs to be said that, thank God, those times are gone and we are now in a new peaceful dispensation. And my work as a political leader and a political activist, as you know, Michael, is very much uh, of that of that direction, that I have a huge duty to lead forward and to ensure that whatever else happens and whatever political differences people have, that we never relive episodes like the 1970s, the 1980s, all of which Jim is right, I was the child. Growing up uh, in Dublin, I make that point in the interview for those who have read us that mm. the Troubles were very much the background noise to all of our lives. And I was asked speculatively um, about the IRA. Um, I made the point that I understood why people volunteered. I understood why they took the fight to the British state. I also made the point that anybody with even a passing knowledge of Irish history would have understood that conflict, new cycles of conflict, were sadly, tragically, inevitable, 
given uh, what was happening in the six counties, the discrimination and so on and so forth. I don't have a sectarian bone in my body. That's the truth. Okay, but the point is that you said that you would have joined had you been older uh, and that the campaign was justified. And Jim Wells was pointing out parts of uh, that campaign that he refers to as uh, atrocities. Uh, The son of the only Irish army member to be killed by the IRA, David Kelly, is calling on you in the Irish Times today to acknowledge that that was an act of murder. And I'm sure others will as well. And Jim and uh, others, and I, I'll come to to the second uh, point, but let me address the first. You see, people, there's a certain section uh, of opinion that regarded any uh, action, any military action, at any stage, as atrocities, and to use the term terrorism. And that's not just in the 1970s. That's going back to act, things that happened a century ago. And... People who have that view have that view. It's not my job to convince them otherwise. I was asked questions about me, about my political analysis, about my uh, political view of why this awful conflict happened. And let me just reiterate again, uh, it's over. It is over. It is done. We are not going back to those times. And to answer your second point, I absolutely recognise and accept that there are huge hurts to be healed right across society. Um, Let me reiterate that every life lost was a tragedy um, for for the family, for the friends of that person, all across the, the conflict. And I include everybody in that. I'm not selective in that regard. And let me reiterate again that the loss of a serving member of, of the Defence Forces of Oglick Naharan, uh, the loss of his father, uh, was wrong, was absolutely wrong, should not have happened in any set of circumstances, and equally loss of members of Angarda Shia Kona. And I'm not, I'm not equivocating, I'm not ambivalent, and the conversation wasn't about that. The conversation was about trying to understand, and it's critical that we understand why that conflict happened, why it was sustained over decades of our lives. We need to to really understand the politics of that for this simple reason, Michael, that it cannot happen again. Okay, let's uh, turn our attention uh, to some of uh, the domestic issues. Uh, There's really one issue driving so many things uh, at uh, the moment and all of us have been hoping for an easing of uh, the restrictions and it seems to me that there's a lot of confusion at the moment uh, and uh, this talk over the weekend as to whether we should be a metre or two metres apart from each other. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I think the critical thing here is that we need clarity. Um, because uh, kite flying or thinking out loud or leaks from cabinets that there's a division of opinion are of no assistance to, to people who have to go about their daily lives and for people who are planning now how to get back to work, um, for businesses that are trying to figure out how you reopen, how you open the doors, get your customers and your clients back in the door mm. while at the same time keeping people safe. So for me, Michael... This is about clarity. I I see in some of the papers today very eminent uh, scientists and and medics saying that, in fact, reducing from from two metres to one uh, could uh, increase the transmission rate fourfold. Mm. 
Now, I'm not in a position to verify or to or to defy uh, that advice. We need to hear the medical advice. The government have a panel of medical advisors. They have NAFIS. They give the advice and then the government decides. Mm. And on the basis of the best uh, available uh, advice to them, they have to make a decision. Uh, it has to be clear. It has to be consistently communicated. And it shouldn't be... Uh, if it's to be changed, and if it is safe to, to change it, well, then that is a, a discussion that needs to be had. But it can't be on the basis of leaks and half information and confused information, mm. because at this stage... But it's confused know, anyway. I, I, I mean, it was confused but, anyway. But it's, still, it's still confused, isn't it? I mean, the World Health Organization says a metre, uh, and NAFID takes... A, a lot of guidance from the World Health Organization, and coronavirus has all but been eradicated from the community. So it is very confusing. It is. Uh, the, the World Health Organization uh, have one standard. The European Centre for Disease Control takes a different view. And if you look internationally, there are jurisdictions that vary between one metre, one and a half metres, and two metres. What we need is a decision that works for Irish society and that needs to be mindful of the fact uh, that we have collectively and more credit to everybody, we have managed to very considerably flatten the curve. Mm. It also needs to be uh, mindful of the fact though still that the virus is on our island and it is in the community. I mean, I take your point that Mm. the transmission rate has been very, very much dampened down. But just bear in mind, Michael, with more movement and human interaction um, there, there is every likelihood that that transmission rate uh, rises again. I mean, I, I think everybody mm. uh, agrees on that. But ultimately, we need clarity. And I have huge sympathy with um, with people who are particularly looking to restaurants or coffee shops mm. or barbers or hairdressers mm. and, and who now have to make very, you know, very awkward preparations for when they open their doors again. Like, there, there can't be an ambiguity for for those folks as to whether it's one metre or two metres. And then also for the rest of us, like, I'm very, very conscious that people have been, for the most part, really, really disciplined and really, really thoughtful for their community and their families over now a long number of weeks. And people are now nervous. People want to get back to work. There's, you know, it's been difficult for people. So I think, as a minimum, people deserve transparency and they deserve clarity from the decision makers. Okay, uh, perhaps uh, you'd uh, talk to us uh, about new mothers uh, uh, and uh, how you've... uh been very critical of government uh, for leaving them out of uh, the COVID-19 subsidy schemes. Well, uh, as you know, when you are on uh, maternity leave, you're in receipt of maternity benefits and some employers will top that money up to your your full wage. Uh, Others don't. Under the the terms, the current terms of the wage subsidy scheme, if you are a worker who was out on maternity leave who wasn't topped up, in other words, if you are only in receipt of the maternity benefit, you do not qualify for the wage subsidy scheme once your maternity leave period is over. Now, this is just simply a matter of fairness. I don't think for a second that anybody set out to deliberate, deliberately exclude these women. That's not at all what happened, in my view. Mm-hmm. However, we have now identified this problem. It's not fair. Uh, the, the women concerned uh, as pregnant workers and then as and went on maternity leave 
uh, are protected workers, they're protected under the equality legislation and they deserve in law and as a matter of decency to be treated fairly. So what we have established is that the minister can change the scheme um, by uh, an administrative route. In other words, the government can instruct the revenue commissioners to simply alter the scheme for now. That's what they did when they raised the subsidisation level from 70 to 80%, if you recall. Mm -hmm. There was no amending legislation. They simply used an administrative procedure. And that's what should be done here. We've raised this now consistently, Michael, since Mm -hmm. April. Um, and I think it is most unfortunate that this matter hasn't been uh, hasn't been resolved. And it, it, I mean, see, a, new, a, a new mother, consider this, and yeah. father, mm. parents, families with new babies, and there might be other kids in the house, they're home from school. There's a huge worry still around how we're going to organise and resor- resource mm. childcare and early uh, education for mm-hmm. those same families. So the last thing you need is the additional pressure to have been excluded from the subsidy scheme. And it, seems, it seems terribly unfair, but is it that simple? The Taoiseach was arguing with you in uh, the Dáil last week that it's not that simple. And if you'll bear with us for 30 seconds, uh, we'll, bear, we'll hear a, a little bit of what Leo Radker had to say. Identifying a problem is much easier than coming up with a solution. And the problem is actually not quite as you described it. Uh, this uh, issue uh, affects uh, women who went on maternity leave and were taken off the payroll. So there are different cohorts. Some were not taken off the payroll and they can actually uh, avail of the wage subsidy scheme, which you didn't mention in your contribution. The ones who can't are those who are taken off the payroll by their employer and were not on the payroll on February 29th. He seems to be indicating uh, that it's uh, the fault of employers that women find themselves in this situation. No, and, no so, and, and that's most unfortunate because that's not the case. The, the, the situation is, as I described to you, if you're on your maternity benefit and your employer tops you up, then you are still on the payroll. If you were just on benefit and you weren't topped up, that's the cohort of women who are affected here. So actually, I, I don't really know what the Taoiseach was driving at there. We've been very clear. And it's not just us, Michael. It's mm-hmm. the National Women's Council. It's the women themselves. The affected people have identified this as a problem. I don't want to be getting into a bun fight with Leo Varadkar across uh, the, the floor of the doll on this matter. Not alone have we identified that there is a problem and we're all agreed on that. The solution is that the uh, revenue commissioners can simply alter the scheme on an administrative basis and ensure that that section of, of, of women are admitted to the scheme. Okay. So there's your solution. Right. And it needs to happen quickly. We have to leave it there, but thank you indeed for joining us uh, this morning. That's uh, the Sinn Féin President, Mary Lou MacDonald. Michael Reed on LMFM. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 